And I, and I kind of named it in the first Baptist church of Jerusalem. And, of course, as missionary ventures. Uh, and so Peter, through a vision, um, kind of went over this a little bit, um, was made to realize by God that everyone could be saved, not only Jews, but also Gentiles. And so it's really important uh, for this. In fact, the funny thing is, is in Acts chapter 15, um, Peter says, God made him the person who was supposed to tell the Gentiles. And he actually said that in the Jerusalem council that they had at that point in time. So he really felt like he was one that was supposed to tell the Gentiles. And then Paul kind of took over that and took over that ministry. And then Peter went back to teaching Jews. But, uh, um, but that, was, that, was, that was something that was kind of interesting in, in that Peter said, you know, God appointed him, you know, uh, and then uh, that, that kind of changed a little bit. But that was kind of an interesting uh, thing I, I saw in some, some of my study. Uh, so Peter goes to the house of Cornelius, and we kind of talked a little bit about this last, last week. And, uh, um, and Cornelius, for the very first time, uh, you know, hears the words of Peter about Jesus Christ. Now, it says Peter, it says Cornelius is a devout man. It says Cornelius, you know, says he loved God. Um, but it also says in, in, the, in the Bible that Cornelius and his family were saved and baptized. So um, I think that this is kind of the way, you know, if you're, you know, like if you're in Africa or if you're in some place and you're praying to God and you're saying, please send somebody. I know something's wrong here. I, I, I know that I know that I, you know, I, I know the life I'm living is not the right kind of life. Um, you know, please send somebody so I can understand more about about you, God. And then God sends a missionary to him. And that missionary, you know, tells them about salvation. And they're not saved before that. I mean, they're, they're asking God to say, God, we really need to be able to know about you. And God graciously sends somebody to them so they can learn about what, you know, they can learn about God. And so basically, you know, this is kind of Cornelius. Cornelius is a devout, just man. I mean, I don't think it says just. He's a devout man that, you know, wants to really learn about God. And he's a Gentile. And, if you're, and, and the Gentiles supposedly couldn't get saved. Supposedly they couldn't, uh, you know, uh, you know uh, trust, trust Jesus for whatever reason. And then Peter has this vision. And, he has this vi- and, he, and, it's, and it's taught to him three times. I mean, he just doesn't get it the first time. It doesn't work. And so, you know, he gets a vision. It's taught to him three different times. And finally, Peter goes, you know what? On that third time, I think God's trying to tell me something. Because he argues with God the first two times and says, nope, I don't eat anything unclean. Nope, I don't do this. I don't do that. And this is really God trying to tell him, hey, uh, 
There's somebody come knocking on your door right now. And when they come knocking on your door, you need to be ready to answer them. And you need to be able to go to this Cornelius fella. Because remember, he's at Sammy the Tanner's house. And so, so Cornelius, for the first time, hears about Christ, which is really great. And, and uh, Peter even says in, if, you're, if you remember right, in uh, Acts chapter 10, verse 28, let's take a look at that verse. That's a very important verse to, um, to really tell the story here. I'm sorry, it's, I'm not used to holding a mic. <laughs> so let me see if I can m- manipulate my... Come on. All right. So we are in Acts chapter 14, or actually Acts chapter 10, verse 28. So if we go to 10 and verse 28, it says, He said unto them, and this is Peter talking, and this is Peter talking to Cornelius. He said unto them, You know, how, or ye know, how it, that it is unlawful thing for a man that's a Jew to keep company or come unto another nation. But God has showed me that I should not call any man common or unclean. And then, you know, Cornelius says in verse 30, he says, Four days ago I was fasting until this hour. And at the ninth hour I prayed in my house. And a man stood before me in bright clothing. And this is an angel, of course. And says, Cornelius, thy prayer is heard. Thy alms have been remembered in the sight of the Lord. So send therefore to Joppa and call hither Simon, whose surname is Peter, for he's lodged in the house of Simon the Tanner. And so Peter says, hey, this was what happened. And you know, and God, you know, gave me this vision before this, and I knew that I needed to go to your house, Cornelius. I knew I needed to go to your house. He would have probably never gone to Cornelius' house because Cornelius is a Gentile, and he probably wouldn't have done that. But through circumstances and through God, through what God wanted, Cornelius here is the first time, and then if you look at, if you, if you look down in that passage of scripture in Acts chapter 10, and it, and it, uh, and it talks about uh, um, Cornelius and his family, and, you know, it says that they were all saved, and they were baptized, When Peter spoke these words, the Holy Ghost fell upon all of them, in verse 44, which heard the word, and they are circumcision, which believed were astonished, as many that came with Peter, because the Gentiles also poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. And so, and then verse 48, he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord, and they prayed, and they tarried a few days. Now, this is a major stepping point in Peter's life. We all have different stepping points. We all have different times where we are uh, growing the Lord, and the Lord brings circumstances into our life where we can grow from them. 
And this is a circumstance that, that God brought Peter in his life so he could grow from it. Like I said, the very interesting thing when I talked about this in the very front was in chapter 15, Peter says, I'm the guy that's supposed to go talk to the Gentiles. God appointed me. And, well, God did appoint him. God did appoint him when he, when he, when he spoke to him. I don't know of any time he spoke to Paul and told him, Maybe there was. Was there, was there a time, Pastor, when he spoke yeah. to Paul? Was, was that on the road to Damascus when he uh, did that? that? So God spoke to Peter and Paul where he was apostle to the Gentiles? Well, I know Paul says he's apostle to the Gentiles. I didn't know if God ever appointed him that. But, but I, was, I was looking at for that. I couldn't find it. So if, if you find it, I'd be appreciate it. Um, but I couldn't, I couldn't find it. And there's some interesting things, too, about this, ne- this lesson that we're going to talk about also that, uh, um, that I, was, I was very, very interested in. So now let's, let's go ahead and look at, uh, um, in Acts chapter 11, verses 1 through 3, um, Peter uh, Peter has to defend himself here, and let's uh, t- uh, go ahead and uh, take a look at that. So, um, Matt, could you read uh, Acts chapter 11, 1 through 3? Sure. And the apostles and brethren that were in Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. And when Peter was come up to Jerusalem, they that were of the circumcision contended with him, saying, Thou livest unto men uncircumcised. So here's a rift between in the early church in that Peter is going to speak to the Gentiles. Uh, evidently, everyone heard about this. It got around. And, and the, the Jewish beach believers say, why did you do it? I mean, we're not supposed to. According to the law, we're not supposed to do this. But you did it. And Why? And uh, Peter did lead Cornelius and his family to Christ. He did baptize them. And you know what Peter's excuse was to these people? God told me to do it. That was an excuse. That's a pretty good excuse, I'd say, wouldn't you? I mean, he's, he's kind of on trial. People are asking him why. And he says, you know what? God told me to do it. I mean, I think that's good enough. God said it, I believe it, and that settles it for me. Really, it's God said it, that settles it for me. You don't even have to believe it. You just, that settles it, period. That's what God said. So Peter says, hey, that's what God said. He didn't say, well, he told me three times. Well, maybe he did. I don't know what he said. But he said, you know what? God said it. That's the way it is. You can believe it, or you don't have to. And he says, for as much thing God gave them, the, uh, in Acts chapter uh, 11, 17, I've kind of put this in, the, in, the, in, in this here. For as much then as God gave them the like gift he did unto us who believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, what was I 
that I could withstand God. He's saying, why do I tell God no if God told me yes? Peter's starting to learn. Remember, he's the one that's telling Christ he's not going to be crucified in another passage of Scripture. Christ rebukes him. You know, Peter is starting to learn. If God says it, then listen and do it. He's a little hard-headed, I understand. But he did it. So he has to defend himself in this spot. In this, and, then, then the, and, and here's the interesting thing. The Jewish believers in the church has respect for Peter. Remember, Peter's a person that has done a lot of great things at this point in time. This is before the prison experience. But the Jewish believers have a lot of respect. And they said this. The Bible says, when they heard these things, they held their peace and just, and just and glorified God, saying, Then hath God also to the Gentiles granted repentance unto life. In Acts chapter 11, verse 18. So now these Jewish believers say, hey, look, if God said it, then God is also, and look at those words, granted repentance. Granted repentance. What does that mean? Well, the Bible tells me if we repent of our sins, we're saved, right? So... God granted repentance. That's a, that's a very, very powerful statement that these Jews made in Acts chapter 11, 18. Now, there's other things that happen. You know, there are other things they're trying to figure out. They're trying to figure out, you know, especially in Acts 15 when they have the council and all that stuff. They, and uh, also, we're going to go into a little more uh, about Peter in Antioch and talk about Paul and his rebuke. And that's quite an interesting one. We're going we're gonna to kind of camp there a little bit because there's several schools of thought. And, oh, man, I'm getting, I'm getting into this, getting into it quick, too quick. I'm going I'm to wait. I'm going to wait. Um, I didn't put it in the lesson that much because it's very controversial. And, but, but when I was reading last night about it, it was kind of like, you know, I really should talk about this. So I am going to. Um, but, you know, the Bible in John chapter 3, verse 16, For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. It's the whole world. It's not just the Jews. It's not just the Gentiles. It's not just whoever. It's the whole world. And all you have to do is, like I did last week, I believe it was, put your name in those spots. Put the name of Christ in one of those spots. And it's great. For God so loved David, harms. 
that he gave his only begotten son, Jesus. That if David would believe on him, David would have everlasting life. And David would be safe. It's easy as that. It's a terrific way of personalizing John 3.16. And I have used that for little children to be able to, to, be able to uh, get them to understand what God wanted them to do. And I've actually used only that verse. They understood, and they were saved. I didn't have to go through the entire Romans road. Could have, but I didn't have to. And I know that this has probably been used over and over again, hopefully, in this way to see people saved. Now, in Acts chapter 12, we have Peter's prison experience. We've already gone through that, so we're not going to go through it again. Um, And then Peter's ministry after his prison experience. Or Peter's ministry, period. So let's take a look at that. Let's take a look at what Peter did, what what, what God allowed Peter to do. Just briefly, you remember what was Christ's last command? Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you shall receive power. And after that, the Holy Ghost will come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me. In Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. The uttermost part of the earth. Did that include Gentiles? <laughs> The church of Galatia that was all Gentiles? Yeah, it did. It didn't include Gentiles, which is great. That's us, basically. All right. So, Peter led the 12 apostles and extended the earth, extending the church, excuse me, into the uttermost part of the earth. He went first to the Samaritans. In Acts chapter 8, 4 through 17, and he encountered the magician, the faith healer. He went to Lydda and uh, the plain of Sharon, Acts chapter 9, verses 32 to 35, where he healed the paralyzed uh, Aeneas. Then he went to the Mediterranean coastal town of Joppa in Acts chapter 9, 36 to 43, where he brought back to life uh, Dorcas. We talked more about that last week, last week. And he went further north to the Mediterranean coast to Caesarea, um, where through the uh, Cornelius, where the conversion of Cornelius, um, the centurion, and Peter introduces the Gentiles into the church. Peter then goes to Corinth. Um, I believe this is prob- possibly where Peter fled after his prison experience. Remember, he, he, he got out of town. And he, 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 had, he had to find some place where Herod wasn't going to find him. Or where Herod, you know, I'm sure they were looking for him. And so 1 Corinthians 1.12 kind of suggests that there's a group in Corinth that's especially devoted to Peter. And so some think that he could have had a residence in Corinth. And so uh, um, 
and we can look at, let's, let's go ahead and turn to, let's go ahead and turn to 1 Corinthians uh, um, chapter 1, verse 12. Who can read that for me? Who will read that for me? Adam? Now this I say that every one of you saith, I am of Paul, and I of Apollos, and I of Cephas, and I of Christ. So there is, I am of Cephas. So there's some, some idea that uh, Peter does have some influence at this point in time. And this is actually in the book of uh, Corinthians. Um, it also talks about uh, Peter in 1 Corinthians 9.5. Let's go ahead and read that one. Who can read that one for me? 1 Peter 9.5. Oh, not Peter, 1 Peter, sorry. 1 uh, Corinthians 9.5. Go ahead. So this, this is basically uh, referring to Peter had a missionary activity and he was accompanied by his wife. So they're a husband and wife team, which is kind of cool. It's kind of a neat, kind of a neat thing. You know, you, you bring your wife and, into the ministry with you. And, uh, and, and that's one of the reasons why, you know, the, the Bible says that, you know, a, a man needs to be married to a wife to, you know, to be a pastor. You know, the wife is the helpmeet. The wife is a, is, is, a, is a huge helper in the church and, and, just, and just completes the ministry, completes the man. You know, I, I, I don't know. I, I'm sure there's all kinds of controversy about this as far as a single pastor, you know, and not having a wife. It's difficult. I'll tell you what, it's very difficult being a single youth pastor and not having a wife. I did that in the very early parts of my ministry. And that was hard. That was really hard. Had to have somebody with me every time, you know, I, uh, I canceled somebody. Had to have somebody with me every time, you know, somebody different, you know, than my wife. Cause I didn't have my wife at that point in time. Had to have somebody uh, with me every time I took, took uh, some young, young ladies home from uh, activity or something like that. That was really difficult. That's really hard. Um, it can be done, but it's hard. And, that, and so it's, it's great to have a wife in the ministry and, and, and help. That's, that's wonderful. Uh, one of the, uh, then Peter went to a place called Antioch. Well, in Antioch, there were Gentiles and there were Jews. They were both in this church. Now, it does say that Paul, Paul was uh, in Antioch and, and Paul... Paul uh, um, uh, could have had a church in Antioch. Um, we don't know. Uh, one historian said sometime in the late A.D., and this was in the A.D. 40, Peter traveled to the prosperous uh, um, commercial city of Antioch, and it says he helped organize a Christian church there. This is just, again, what a historian has recorded. Um, Antioch was one of the Mediterranean terminal points of the trade of the Silk Route. As a leader in that church, Peter would have had a voice of support, for substantial funds, which the church in Antioch um, raised to help a financially struggling church in Jerusalem to finance each of Paul's missionary journeys and maybe the missionary journey of Barnabas and John Mark in Cyprus. Now, here's where we get into the rebuke. In Galatians chapter 2, Paul, in front of everyone, Rebukes Peter, rebukes Barnabas, 
and rebukes members of the church for hypocrisy. And he does this in a public fashion. Now, is Paul perfect? I mean, he's one of the greatest Christians ever, right? I mean, everyone should, should agree with that. But was Paul perfect? Did, did Paul do everything right? I don't think so. And in this instance, I struggle. I struggle. I, I, read, I read about this stuff and read commentaries about this stuff last night. And I kind of have my own personal opinion, but I'm not going to voice it. I'm going to give you the story. Paul rebukes these people. He does it publicly. In Matthew chapter 18, Jesus says, go to a person first. If that person doesn't listen, then go to, then take another person with you. Because you gain a brother. Right? Should have he rebuked Peter and Barnabas, because it says Barnabas there too, and some of the church, publicly. It's kind of a hard, that's kind of a hard question, isn't it? Did he follow Matthew 18? He didn't. Now, are there times where you have to rebuke publicly? Maybe. The only thing that I see is that, you know, I think what Peter did wasn't public, so it was a public but not the way he was. Right. Yeah, and I, and I read that, Pastor. Yeah, and, that's, and, and I read that, and I was thinking, he didn't only rebuke Peter, he rebuked Barnabas. And right after that, Barnabas, and he had a contention in, in Acts chapter 15. And if he hadn't have rebuked Barnabas, would, have, would have Barnabas stayed with Paul? I don't know. But, and he rebuked other members of the church. Other members of the church that went along with Peter. So I wonder whether or not, and, and so that was a thing I just, I, I, man, I, I went over it, and I went over it, and I went over it, and went over it. And Describe to us what the rebuke was over. The rebuke was over that um, Peter was saying that the circumcised would, you know, he, he pulled away from the Gentiles and, and wouldn't eat with the Gentiles. That was, that was really basically what the rebuke was about. It wasn't really that he was saying the Gentiles couldn't be saved. He just pulled away from the Gentiles, and he kind of had his own, little, his own little click, maybe. Own little cliques in the church aren't great, aren't, aren't, you know, aren't good. We want to be all together. We want to be one body. And I think Paul was, you know, seeing that. But... You know, with him rebuking Peter and Barnabas publicly um, and not following Matthew 18, I don't know. I don't see where he rebuked. I never saw where he rebuked Barnabas. Yeah, if you look at, uh, um, if, if you look in Galatians chapter 2. Yeah. Let me see if I can find it. He was, because Peter doesn't 
Peter was leading Barnabas astray. That was always there. Right, but it also it also says Barnabas's name in there, I believe. Yeah. Barnabas was carried away with their dissimulation. Right, and, and Peter was the leader in this dissimulation. Correct, and and Paul Paul is it, Paul says Barnabas in his rebuke, right? He rebukes Peter, but he's also talking about Barnabas. And right. he's talking about everyone who's following Peter. Exactly. Right. Right. And so, and, and, and Barnabas' name is mentioned in that uh, to this book, in, to, to this, uh, for everyone to see, yeah. for everyone to see in Galatia, in this, in this letter to Galatia. And so, and, and Paul is, at this point in time, he's not really happy with the church of Galatia, so he's a little bit perturbed, he's a little bit angry. So I just don't know. I just don't know. You know, it, it just seems like to me that this could have been handled in a better way. Maybe not. Maybe it needed to handle handled this way. I don't know. Do we know? Do we know Peter's part of the story? Do we know what why Peter pulled himself away? He pulled himself away because of fear, is what Paul says, right? Do we know Peter really pulled himself away from fear? Do we know what, do we know, we don't know Peter's side of the story. We only know Paul's. We know one person's side of the story and that's it. Uh, in every argument, aren't there two sides of the story? But the Bible didn't reveal that, did they? Did it? Too? It only revealed Paul's side because Paul was the one that was talking about it. Right, but it just doesn't, but that's Paul's perception. Well, it might not be correct. Exa- possible, and, and that's what I was reading. That's why I struggled. I was reading this, I was, I, mean, I was reading this, and, and I thought, oh, yeah, Peter, you didn't do the right thing. This is wrong, and, he, and maybe he didn't do the right thing. Maybe that was, that's the case, but then I was reading other things. I was reading commentaries. I was reading scripture and things like that, and I was thinking, okay, well, what's Peter's side of the story? Well, the Bible does say that, you know, uh, all Scripture is given, you know, that, that, that script, that script, you can't throw anything out because Scripture is Scripture, right? Yeah. But, I mean, anything, anything so you've got, so you got to look at that. But, but it is interesting. And so I won't dwell on this anymore, but it is food for thought. It is something that if you are interested, study it. Get in the, get in the Scriptures and study it. Get on the internet and look at what the, what, you know, look at what great men of the, you know, great, great men have, have, have written about it. And I will tell you that there are probably 70% or 80% of people that feel like, you know, Peter was in the wrong here. And, and, and you know, and, and, they, and they will side with Paul. And I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. You know, if that if that's, you know, um, but it's interesting food for thought. And I wanted to bring that up. So you had um, something about that and you, um, you know, and, and, and there was something about that. So that was a, that was quite interesting. All right. Let me. Uh,
So we left off Peter in Antioch. And uh, then he had a missionary journey to Asia Minor. And that's suggested in the first letter of Peter, verses 1-1. Peter, the apostle of Jesus Christ to the strangers that are scattered through Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Those are five Roman provinces of Asia Minor. It's an area that's found in northern Turkey. Why would Peter write an epistle to these people if he didn't already minister to them? That's an interesting question, isn't it? Did he, did, did, was his missionary journeys part of this? Funny thing is, is we find, we, we see in the Bible all about Paul's missionary journeys, but we don't see very much about Peter's. So we have to try to find history, try to find what, uh, you know, uh, um, historians said and try to figure out what happened. And then you have the Roman Catholic Church who wants to make him a pope and, you know, who wants to, who wants to put him in Rome and wants to put him in other places. Was he really in Rome? Hmm. That's an interesting thought. Or was he always in Antioch and always in Corinth and never in Rome? We know the Bible places him in Corinth and also places him in Antioch. But they don't place him anywhere else. So we go to Peter and Rome <laughs> in this the last of this lesson. According to a historical writer, Jerome, Peter's missionary work took him to Rome. So historical says Peter was in Rome. Historical, it says Peter died in Rome. But, you know, a lot of that historical stuff is Roman Catholicism, and we don't know whether or not that's true or not. But let's say it is. <laughs> let's say for argument's sake, you know, Peter was in Rome. If he was, then the death that is supposed, his martyr, you know, um, would have been in Rome also. And what is uh, historically uh, talked about is Paul and Peter died around the same time. It does say uh, in 1 Peter 5.13, the church that is in Babylon elected together with you, saluteth you, and so does Marcus, my son. 1 Peter 5.13. Well, first, okay, so. The church, Babylon. Many historical and many commentaries think the church Babylon was a church. Babylon refers to Rome. So why in 1 Peter 5.13, if Peter was never in Rome, would that verse be there? That's a great area to look up and to read about. And if you want to do that, please do, because that's interesting. There's a lot of interesting nuggets in the Bible that they don't quite give us all the answers, but, uh, but they sure are fun studying. 
And then look at this. Very, look at that very last four words there. So, no, actually five words. So doth Marcus, my son. Who's he talking about here? He's talking about a person by the name of John Mark. Was John Mark Peter's son? No. But John Mark was very, very close to Peter. Who wrote the Gospel of Mark? Anybody know? Who was it? John Mark. Was John Mark a disciple of Jesus Christ? He was not. Does he give a disciple's view of Christ and what happened? He does. So since he gives a disciple's view of what happened, he may have been close to a disciple. What do you think? Maybe what he wrote was through another disciple's eyes? The book of Mark talks a lot about Peter, a ton about Peter. And Peter says, so does Marcus, my son, when he's talking about the church of Babylon. So many historians, and we'll end at this, many historians believe that the book of Mark, Peter helped write. Or he had influence in it. Very interesting. This man, Simon Peter. And I've got two more lessons, or maybe one more lesson on me, Peter, and I'm done. But, uh, boy, this, is, this has been a fun time. This, is, this, is a, this has been a fun time looking at his life and trying to dissect it and seeing the spiritual growth. I want to look at Peter through Peter's eyes and through his books in the next lessons. Um, what did he learn? You know, he learned so much. And we see that through the book of Peter. It's pretty cool. And Pastor's been talking about some of that in, on Sundays. And um, actually, I'm going to probably, I thought I was going to get to some of that, Pastor, this, this one, but I didn't. So I'll, I'll address it next week. Thanks for the comments and the questions and the, and, you know, this, like I said, it's been a fun time for me, that's for sure. And uh, 